HawkeyeInsider.com, David Eichel, along with Sean Bach for an instant reaction podcast. Number three, Iowa Falls to number one, Gonzaga, 99-88. A lot of things take away from this, Sean. Uh, I, I, let's just start right right away because there, I think there's a lot to talk about, a lot of good talking points, and uh, a very difference of opinion on social media and on, on our message boards throughout this game. But uh, I want to get your thoughts first. What were some of your just initial takeaways from this game? Yeah, definitely right off the bat, you could see the difference in speed that Gonzaga has maybe similar or, I mean, North Carolina has some speed on the perimeter. Don't get me wrong. Caleb Love and uh, Davis are two pretty quick guards. RJ Davis are two pretty quick guards. But I think this was almost similar to the DePaul game in a sense last year where the DePaul guards were just really too, just way too quick for some of the Iowa guards or made it seem like too quick. They kind of, you know, forced some bad decisions and made some passes that you can't afford to do um, against teams with that much quickness, especially on the defensive end. And we saw that right off the bat with some of the passes that Jordan Bohannon was making. Usually those are ones that he kind of throws without a problem, but Jalen Suggs was able really to read him and other defenders for Gonzaga was able to read them and, you know, get their hands on those, on those passes and get some deflections to start out. But, you know, I mean, the story of the game first half, especially was Jalen Suggs, Gonzaga's freshman point guard, former five-star guy and a former highly touted football player. I don't, I think that was, uh, I don't think that was touched on enough when, you know, when the uh, broadcast. Iowa wanted him at quarterback. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but I was I was trying to make sarcasm there when I was saying that oh, it yeah. wasn't touched <laughs> it wasn't touched on enough. Um, so I mean he was he was the difference, especially in the first half. I mean I don't think Fran McCaffrey said a post game. I don't think anyone would have expected him to shoot as well as he did coming into this game. I think he was like two of six or something from three yep. in the first three games and wasn't really a deep ball threat. But man, he's the type of guy. He's a confident player. Once he sees the ball go through the net, like he's gonna keep doing what he does and I mean he saw the first couple of shots go through the net and you know he was just cooking in that first half was slowed down in the second half but I think really just what he did was so impactful and Gonzaga on the offensive end I mean you turn you turn off the game in the first half I really don't think you'd expect Iowa to make the comeback that they did in the second half because I don't know just look at the stat sheet and you're kind of like wait so how did Iowa make a comeback like they were down what 20 at one point and then you know they were really close to chipping away into single mm-hmm. digits making it a pretty two or three um, point possession or two or three possession game and Gonzaga was able to hold them off and kind of keep them keep them from a distance but I thought you, you we touched on it before the podcast Dave is that I think there was plenty of good to come out of this game but I think there's also some things that you look at and you're like, yeah, that needs adjusting before we really consider Iowa to be a legitimate national contender. I think here's my thing, Sean, and I think people can go two different ways to this, and I won't really argue with it. And, and this is where it gets into interesting territory for me. Iowa still has to improve defensively, no doubt. I think everyone in the world can see that. If you don't, I don't know really how to help you. But to the degree that they need to improve, I'm not so sure about. I don't think they need to get that much better. I think they need to get a little better. But if they only get a little better, they have to rebound better, especially defensive rebounding. They have to win the hustle plays. They have to get the 50-50 balls. I tweeted at one point, Sean, a 50-50 ball turned into a 100-0 ball because Gonzaga got every single one of them. There were times where Iowa – 
got within 10, maybe 9, 10, 11 points, and they were one or two plays away. But then Gonzaga would just get the loose ball. They'd have two straight offensive rebounds. They'd convert on the other end. And I think that was one of the biggest detriments to this Iowa team. Gonzaga just thoroughly out-hustled them. And for something for Mark Few, his, he was worried about his squad coming out, how conditioned they'd be. They had the grit, and they made the winning plays. And Iowa, at times, I thought, did make winning plays. I mean, Luca Garza was – I mean, especially on the offensive end, he was unbelievable. I think he really got exposed on some backdoor cuts. I think the Iowa defense in general did. But I'll say this, Gonzaga's cutting, and they're, the way they share the ball, Sean. I mean, it was a marvel to watch on the offensive end. But I think people can look at the score – and say about how bad they got beat down and dominated by Gonzaga. I think in some ways they did get dominated. But I'll say this. Man, Iowa missed a lot of open threes. I really don't think Gonzaga played that well on defensive end, especially from three. I think they did a decent job on Joe Wieskamp. Frederick missed a couple open threes. Bohannon missed a couple open threes. We'll get to Bohannon in a second. They didn't allow Garza to get any open threes. But, man, I mean, Iowa has some decent looks. On top of that, Iowa did get to the free throw line, but they only shot 54%, and this is a team that typically shoots about 77%. And if Iowa could have cut it at any point in that second half, Sean, to four or five points, who knows how the game would have turned out to be. But I think it's fair to say at this point that Iowa can compete with this team or any team in the country. I think they proved that today. But like you said, I think that there are some small things that need to change. Uh, obviously, the defense is the biggest issue in the world, but I think if they can – they either have to repair the defense or they have to repair a lot of small things to make up for their defensive inefficiencies. Like I said, 50-50 balls, knocking down more open three-point shots, defensive rebounding. I mean, we talked about uh, – uh, what's, what's for Ayayi for, uh, for Gonzaga had 18 rebounds, Sean. He's six foot five. That's just about will and desire and hustle, and, and, and Gonzaga won that battle today. Yeah, and I mean, when Iowa was coming out in the zone, too, on defense, you know, it's tougher to rebound out of a zone because you got to find guys to yep. box out rather than, you know, man-to-man. You're on a guy already, and you're pretty much glued on him, you know, where he's at at all times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Gonzaga just came off firing, too. I thought offensively both teams were – we're pretty strong, but I think this game kind of proves that, you know, I talked about it on message boards. I talked about it <clears throat> in my takeaway article that, you know, these are the types of games where you're not going to outscore teams. I mean, I know people have used that theory for this whole season. Like, yeah, like we know Iowa's going to be a great offensive team, but, um, you know, our, we know our defense is behind too, but we, we can just outscore teams. But like, if you're going to, if you're going to want to beat these teams like Gonzaga, you're going to have to be able to play defense. And I know that Iowa did not shoot well this game. I understand that. I think they made a couple more free throws, made another three or two. It would have been a totally different ball game. But I also think you have to beg the question that there were times on defense too where they just did they were where they just looked inept. And Fran McCaffrey Agreed. said as well post game that, you know, they were slow to rotate. I think a couple of times Jalen Suggs or one of the guards was attacking downhill. And one of the other guys came – one of the other Iowa defenders came over to help, and that just left an easy dump off to another to another guard or to another big man. And I think that, you know, that's one thing that one of the guys, one of the, guy, one of the guards up top or one of the defenders up top need to slide down in that situation for the, you know, your basic defensive principles, help side, whatnot. But 
that's one of those things that you need to work on. And that's what makes Gonzaga. So, I mean, you got to give credit to Gonzaga as well. They are so good, so good at attacking the gaps, attacking the lanes and, you know, forcing the defense to, you know, have pressure and make them, you know, get out of their comfort zone a little bit. And they did such a good job that Jalen Suggs with the way that he was, you know, being, he was the, uh, taking all the attention away from some of the other guys in Gonzaga just because he was so dang dominant in the first half when he started to attack the rim more that just drew so many Iowa defenders to put their eyes on him and that just left you know guys like Drew Timmy um I think Kispert maybe was another time and then Ayayi as well and Cook Bala whoever it was to just get easy points that way on just a basic dump off and you know that's that's one of those things too where like you're you're not gonna play a Jalen Suggs every every night in the big time. I mean you're gonna play really good guards, but let me I can't think of a guard outside of Io Desumu who maybe maybe there definitely is a couple. I mean Dimitri Trice might be one. I mean, who knows? There might be a couple um that can, you know, put up put up buckets and but I don't think there's any that are so good and so explosive that Rocket Watts. Yeah, Rocket Watts, you could consider him one too. But I think maybe Suggs is more – he probably has the How best. more powerful probably. Yes, I'm saying that Suggs probably has the best – one of the – is probably the best scoring slash passing guard in the country with just the way that he's able to find guys and, you know, yeah. deliver deliver it on a dime too. And then, you know, score just as explosive. So – you're not going to guard Jalen Suggs every night, but still, I think this was a uh, good test for what, you know, you need to brush up on come big time play. Cause I mean, it starts this Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Against and it, Purdue. it's against Purdue. And that's the, I think a big game that Iowa, I'm very interested to see how they come out against them because we know how much success Purdue has had against Iowa in the past. And as you mentioned, I touched on in my post game column, which we posted here uh, shortly today. Today was just a measuring stick. Today was just about, hey, look, this is the national title favorite. How would you stack up? What do you take away from it? And where do you need to go from there? And I'll say this too, Sean, you know, so quickly sometimes post-game, it's hard to actually identify the issues. I thought Joe Wieskamp and Luke Garza were dead on in their post-game press conference where they just said, hey, look, we got out-hustled, defense rebounding. Our defense wasn't great on the perimeter, and we just couldn't hit open shots. And I think to have that awareness, especially that quickly post-game, I'm very interested to see how they respond with that. But again, Sean, let's dive more into the specifics regarding Iowa. And I think one topic that a lot of people want to see or hear about is should Joe Toussaint be starting over Jordan Bohannon? And I, I tweeted this, and I'll say it again in the podcast. Today was as sloppy as a game as I've ever seen out of Jordan Bohannon. I, he just, even from the get-go, Sean, there was just sloppy passing. And it felt like, it felt like his – maybe I want your take on this too – it felt like Jordan's passes just weren't as crisp. I mean, it felt like the ball just floated in the air forever. Maybe that's just anticipation by Jalen Suggs. And even if it, the ball did float in the air longer than normal, it was still great anticipation by Gonzaga. I'm not taking anything away from them. But it really felt like that it just the passes weren't as crisp. He was indecisive at times. They were very risky. I didn't really see where he was going there. And he just couldn't buy a bucket offensively. And I'll say this, there are a couple times late in that second half, Sean, I think in the final 10 minutes, where he drove the hoop or tried to force a fadeaway three on a pick and pop. 
he never looked for the second option. He never looked for the pop. There was one where Luca was completely wide open. There was another one where Joe Wieskamp was completely wide open. I think CJ Frederick in the corner was wide open, but he chose to take a contested two bank shot that ultimately just missed. But and Joe Toussaint, I thought, played one of his best games as, as an Iowa guy. I thought he attacked with purpose. He was aggressive. He was passing all right. And he really provided a spark for Iowa in that second half when they needed a change of pace. Yeah, I think regarding Bohannon, I think it's easy to look at this and be like, it was not a great matchup for him. I think you could argue that about the North Carolina game as well, but we saw what he did. But I also think, you know, Iowa did such a good job of getting guys like C.J. Frederick and Joe Wieskamp involved in the offense. I mean, Wieskamp did great today, don't get me wrong, but Frederick didn't play as much as we'd expect with foul trouble. Bohannon just did not look the part defensively, and same thing offensively as well. I thought some of his passes were very, very, very suspect in terms of really just lazy passes, kind of ones that were like cross-court ones that were pretty easy to pick off. And when you got a defense and guards as quick as Andrew Nemhard and Jalen Suggs, those passes are very, very rarely going to find the open man clean. And right off the bat, too, that was that was a big thing. And I also thought, you know, you saw the confidence in him kind of drop in the second half. when mm-hmm. I mean, he, he passed up that three that we usually see him shoot almost every time. Like, I think that was one of the first times I've ever seen him pass up an open three like that so I think confidence wise you know I think it was pretty shot in the second half and that's not something you want to see from your fifth year senior you want to see a guy that's able to lead the offense and you know play some tough defense as well I thought the defense on a couple other possessions was better but I think overall he really struggled in that department I think it's I me mean, it's not a knock on him I think just the Gonzaga guards have that effect on a lot of people is that they mm-hmm. are just so dang quick I mean they, I know Jalen Suggs didn't play for the second half of the West Virginia team, but West Virginia, year in, year out, is usually one of the best defensive teams in the country. And I don't remember the exact stat lines, but I know for sure that the Gonzaga guards, even without Jalen Suggs in the game, got theirs. So Nebhard Neb really turned them up when, when Suggs yeah. went out. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's telling as well. But as far as Joe Toussaint, I just think overall this was a much better matchup for him. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say that he should start over Bohannon because I think there's going to be games where Bohannon is going to come out and people are going to ask, why would we ever want to bench this guy? I think there's going to be a couple more games like that. And, I mean, we saw last year too. I think he's just still trying to get his feet under him. He's playing at a much different weight this year. You know, he didn't get that adjustments last year. He's playing with kind of a different roster. I mean, yes and <clears throat> yes and no, but, I mean, I think he's still just trying to get acclimated to, you know, the system. And I know he's been in there in I, at Iowa for five years, but I think there's an adjustment period that you need to see with him based on what he went through last year, that he's still trying to figure himself out. He's still – I don't know, to me, like, it looks like he's still trying to figure out his role in a sense. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It does, to some degree – maybe um I just don't know if he if he thinks because I mean think about his his sophomore year he was a guy that was required to make shots see mm -hmm. his junior year a guy that a clutch time player guy that was required to make shots now that we've seen you know Joe Wieskamp and even a CJ Frederick become more ball dominant dominant and dominant and same thing with Garza (laughs) Garza this year as well. I mean, because Bohannon was only on the court with them for 10 games last year. Yeah. 
I'm kind of curious to see, you know, if he's trying to really, I don't know, like get more adjusted in kind of that ball handling, like passer role. I mean, he can still score. There's no doubt about it. And we saw it against, and we saw it against North Carolina, but I think maybe with him, it's going to be more of a game by game basis because I think Gonzaga did a great job of, you know, taking him out of the game and not letting him be comfortable because when he's comfortable, then that's a whole different story for the Iowa offense. Cause then you can run him off screens. You can get him in the pick and roll. You can hit him on kickouts. Like there's just so many ways that you can use Jordan Bohannon with your perimeter game. But this game, I thought Gonzaga, I think the matchup was just way, way too much I don't want to say way too much but I think it was on it wasn't in favor of Bohannon in terms of just overall athleticism and speed and quickness I think Tucson was a much better fit for that this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, and I'll say this. I got credit for McCaffrey for that change of pace, too. And like you, like you said post game, he was asked about – I know I'm flopping topic, topic here, but he was asked about the uh, defense and why they decided to play man – instead of zone and French simply said because we were awful in zone simple as that and I really couldn't agree more there were times where I think Patrick McCaffrey I think we he's played pretty well for the most part through six games and at times his shot hasn't been there but I feel like for the most part he's given a lot of effort on defense today was really the first day where I thought Patrick just looked lost on defense Sean Mm -hmm. I mean there are times where like you said Iowa just as a team looked inept I think Garza overhelped at times I think a lot of guys overhelped at times and I'll say this I think when CJ Frederick went out with that second foul in the first half I really felt like that changed the game like yeah Suggs still probably would have went off but I think Iowa was only down 15 to 14 at that time then they went on that little run and CJ's a gamer I think he's proven that I think Jordan's proven that I think as you said I couldn't have summed it up any better Sean as far as Bohannon's role in the team is going to vary game by game, but he also has the experience of playing college basketball. He needs to understand and embrace that because there will be times, I think, this season, Sean, where Jordan is going to win a game or two for Iowa. He's going to hit a clutch shot. That's his role. He's a big-time, in-the-moment type guy. But at the same time, he also can't force it. I felt like at times when Iowa cut to nine, I think with, what, three and a half minutes left, he ran that – I was trying to run offense and he just went to the wing and chucked up a fadeaway three and you knew right when you let it go, it wasn't going in. It just wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good shot. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing takeaway for me is I agree with you. I think Jordan's still the starter because I think it was just a really bad matchup today. I feel like it's people shouldn't overread into this situation because there'll be times where he matches up against big 10 teams and he pops off for five, six, three pointers. That's just what's going to happen, and Tucson will struggle, and vice versa. But another topic I want to get to, Sean, is, look, people talk about Joe Wieskamp as a guy. He's going to you know, dominate next year when he comes back. Sean, he's not playing like a college player right now. I mean, he's been quiet, but he is putting together his most consistent and most efficient basketball. I mean, again, you look at his line today, 20 points, 8 of 16 shooting, 
nine rebounds, four assists, three steals. I mean, I think I think uh, Joe Wieskamp, if people were worried about how consistent he would be, he's been consistent all non-conference season despite whatever, however teams are playing him. And if Bohannon can hit a couple threes and Garza can continue to do what he's doing, Wieskamp's going to be that second option. I think that goes right back to what we've been saying all along, Sean. Iowa has to get better on the defensive end, at least a little bit. And if they can make that up in rebounding and hustle play as an effort, then the defensive efficiency does not have to be as drastic as we're making it out to be. But you can't go one way or the other. Yeah, outside of a couple a couple questionable shots here and there from Wieskamp, I thought overall he, he played a really, really good game. I think there were a couple shots in the first half and maybe even the second half, correct me if I'm wrong, that were really ones that were like, okay, like this game seems to be getting out of hand, but then Wieskamp comes right back with a jumper or some sort of bucket or some sort of hustle play. At least that's that was my my perception of it. So I thought his play was really encouraging again today. But like you said, Dave, I mean, I tweeted as well that Iowa has not won a game. When, when Iowa's allowed 1.16 points per possession, they have not won a game since Illinois in 2018, January of 2018. And that's 21 games in a row that they've lost when allowing 1.16 points per possession. Mm-hmm. And that's – the crazy thing is about that, like, of course, like the 21 straight losses, but it's very, very, it's not often that a team gives a very good team, a top perennial top 10 team in the country, top 15, what have you, gives up that many points in the game. And I know that's dating back, what, to 2018, and that's over the course of three seasons, but still, like, last year they lost – Let's see, they lost Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan, San, and San Diego State. Those were the games they lost last year, and those were three pretty notable losses, If especially the ones in Big Ten play. Like you look at the Purdue game where they got absolutely blown out. Indiana where they had – I mean, Indiana granted went off, but they really, really just struggled offensively. Um, and then the Illinois game, obviously, at the end of the year where – you know, it was just a heated game, and that was a pretty big game going into the NCAA tournament until COVID struck. But those are notable games where Iowa's given up those um, big points, and those are games, too, that, you know, that would look really – like, those are against NCAA tournament teams. Like, one of the games against Penn State last year, um, Penn State was probably going to go to the NCAA tournament. Definitely. Um Purdue, Indiana, Illinois, San Diego State was probably the best mid-major team in the country last year. Like, those are big-time games. And I know you could look at some of the other games and think, oh, like, they didn't do that against Michigan State or, oh, it didn't happen against Ohio State, like, yada, yada, yada. But when they're playing really, really good offensive teams, I mean, not even, like, great ones, like, Purdue wasn't a great offensive. Like, none of these teams no. that they really played last year. I mean, Michigan, you could you could make an argument for them. Michigan had a pretty good off. I mean, their defense is atrocious, especially toward the end right. of the season. But, I mean, their offense, I thought, was still pretty good. Right. San Diego State was pretty good with Malachi Flynn. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana was not a great offensive team. Illinois, you could make an argument for them as well. Maryland had Anthony Cohen. Um, Penn State had a couple dudes on their team. But you you get the idea. I mean. Once this hits Big Ten play, Iowa cannot afford to have some of these lapses in defense like they did against Gonzaga. And I think part of it, too, is Gonzaga, you got to give credit to them again. They are so good at forcing 
um, or getting down the floor after, you know, missed buckets and even made buckets. But Iowa's shot selection, I thought, was very, very panicky at times. And I've always been under the belief, and I think anyone that's played basketball at, you know, the high school level or even, like, the upper, like, middle school, in college, like, professionals, if you take bad shots on offense – that is more than likely going to lead to a bucket on the other end for the opposing team. And the reason for that is, is, you know, you'll get a bad shot and you'll be all out of sorts. You'll be looking for a foul or, you know, they'll be just like, why, why did I shoot that shot? And you're not thinking and you're not getting back on defense and, yep. you know, they'll get, they'll, they'll burn you on that. And that's what happened a couple of times. And you can't afford to have that against a team like Gonzaga that will take advantage of every opportunity they get on the offensive end. A bad shot basically converts into four or a six point swing, depending on how bad of a shot. If it was a long two or whatever, but like a long three, again, Gonzaga's rebounding, despite how great I thought they shot from three point range, which they only shot 29% to the first three games. Their rebounding and hustle plays ultimately won them the game. And maybe I'll be, of you know, the minority in believing that. Again, I don't think Gonzaga's defense was elite, but the way they were able to convert bad Iowa shots or wide-open Iowa misses, as in long rebounds, and Iowa knocking back in transition on defense, the way they were able to do that, I think really just was a big reason why they won the game. But I want to answer a couple questions here, Sean, before we give our final take and our final thoughts, because I think we could talk about this game for an hour, but I think a lot like you and I are really busy and what we're trying to do here, but this is an important podcast to obviously talk about. So let's, uh, let's just start. We already answered the, should Joe Toussaint, you know, start over Jaybo. I think it depends on the matchup. You, you agreed with that? Yeah, I do. I, I think, I think Jaybo should be your guy in the starting lineup and kind of just see how he plays. But I think Toussaint's a perfect guy to come off the bench at this point. Okay, so let's see. Uh, what's wrong with Jordan Bohan this year? He's played well in one game, and the rest he's looked meh. Um, I, before you answer, Sean, I want to say this. I think, it's, I think it's idiotic, immature, and flat-out ignorant if you're blaming Jordan having a podcast or playing video games during his free time. Like – the dude's been around the block enough. He's worked hard to come back from two hip surgeries. He played in a lot of pain last year. I think it's pretty stupid to blame him having any other outside interests other than basketball. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, uh, as far as what's wrong with him, I think that just goes back to what Sean, and I, Sean brought up first. I'll give him credit. Just he's trying to find his role in the team right now because he wasn't playing a lot when Luca really took over and Joe, I mean, obviously Joe's always been there, but I think Joe becoming that strong Robin second, I don't want to call him a Robin because Joe's played like an alpha for most teams this year. So a strong number two option. So that kind of puts Bohan at that between that three or four spot, because I'd argue this Sean, and I think it's an interesting discussion. I think, you know, CJ Frederick might be a good third option. I know you sat with foul trouble, today but I really like what I've seen out of him this year and I think he's a gamer agree disagree with who sorry CJ CJ might be able to be that third option yeah I I agree I think we didn't talk about as much but I think those two fouls at the beginning those two pretty ticky tacky calls kind of ruined any yeah any momentum or any you know flow that he could have in the game and 
that 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 kills you. That anyone will tell you. Anyone that's ever played basketball before will tell you. If you get two quick fouls, then that really ruins your whole your whole vibe for the whole game. Not not many people can come back and be drop however many points with that many fouls. And I think even in a tough game like Gonzaga, that was the case here with CJ. Now you really have to have a strong mindset to be able to come back and do that. But I just really think that CJ couldn't couldn't get the couldn't get back in that groove that he wanted to um, with those fouls. And it's tough. I mean, you can't get in the rhythm of game. It's, it's, very, it's very difficult to do. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And that leads me to one of our questions. Should CJ be getting more shots? I'm going to answer this first. I think it depends on how hot he is because I think it's a dumb idea to take any shots away from Luca because Luca has been so damn efficient this year, and it's still ridiculous what he's doing. He just went up against the number one team in the country, went 13 of 18, had 30 points, and Joe Wieskamp is playing his best basketball of his career, I know. Some people, it may be overshadowed, overshadowed a little bit by with what Luca's doing, but I think Joe Wieskamp's been great this year. So I think it depends on the game. I think, you know, at times Jack Nunji can get hot. And I know some people are complaining about Jack Nunji, Nunji shooting threes. The players, have, the players have full confidence in him. Fran has full confidence in him. I've heard behind the scenes he's constantly hitting threes. We've seen him hit a few threes in games. If he's open, like, you can't – if you're Jack Nungy, you can't turn down the threes he got today because they were so open. Yeah. But no, I, I agree. I agree. He's and he what he did when he first came off the bench too, I thought was so important. Gave him a nice a nice jolt, especially with Luca. I think Luca was out during that frame. I could be wrong. Um not the start of it, but probably the yeah. middle stretch he was. Yeah, I mean, what what Jack did even with Luke on the floor, I thought was really important, just to give Iowa some more some more boost. And we saw the same thing with Joe Toussaint. But you know, I think his play that people were talking about, I think that was kind of unfair um, to him because uh, I mean, he's going to make those shots, and you know, he's not going to make those shots in the future unless he has confidence in himself. And I think you know, making shots is how you establish that confidence and. He'll he'll be able to figure it out. I mean, he has figured it out before. He just had a he just had a rough stretch in the first half. I agree with you 100. percent And I think this is our last question because everything else we pretty much touched on. What's the impact on the ranking? I think we kind of touched on it, but Sean, I'll say this: If you ask me today, do I believe Iowa is one of the top seven teams in college basketball? I won't even say ten. If if you tell me that Iowa is the top seven team in the country. I'm going to say yes. I think Iowa, without a doubt, is a top seven team. Could they fall below at at some point if they don't come out strong in Big Ten play? Absolutely. But I think at this moment, based on what Iowa can do, I think Iowa at worst is number seven. And I'd put them at number five right now. I think think Michigan State have an argument. But they've also had a couple close calls against some bad teams. I think Gonzaga, without a doubt, is number one in the country. I think Baylor is a strong number two. Kansas is up there, but I think everyone right now outside of Gonzaga and Baylor is in their own tier. 
Yeah, I think Gonzaga is 1A. No, Gonzaga's one. Baylor's two. Just because I think I don't even want to say one A, one B because I think I think Gonzaga's earned like the whole one. I think Baylor is two, two A. I think Wisconsin, Villanova, and Iowa, and then Texas, West Virginia, maybe Kansas are two B, and the rest it's kind of a hodgepodge. I mean, you could put Illinois in two B as well. But I think the one thing that hurts them is two losses. But I mean, yes, Baylor. That's such that was such good, such a good Baylor team. But also, I think the Missouri loss might hurt them a little bit. But I think I think Iowa's fine. I think you t- the main takeaway from this game is Iowa can compete no matter how poor they play on the offensive end. Um, and they did that defensive end, they, game, right? I mean, offensive end too. Oh yeah, just because of <laughs> the free throws and threes. Yeah, I mean they've scored eighty-eight points and they shot like crap from free throw line and threes. Yeah, but I I think over I mean everyone's gonna rely on the offense, so I'm just gonna use offense for this for this example. <laughs> Is that your final message to Iowa fans listening to this podcast too, Sean, or do you have any other final thoughts you want to add before I go on my mini soliloquy to end this off? Uh yeah, I don't have I don't have anything really. I just think this is a good you know, at that I thought this game came at the right time. I think, you know, I think I saw a tweet a couple times that this Iowa team team seemed to be pretty high about themselves, and I think they might have needed a little step down. I mean, they weren't cocky or anything. I think they were just confident, and I think they needed a step down or, like, kind of a wake or a reality check to, you know, kind of see where things are at this season. Like, they're, everyone hear them saying national champs, like Final Four contenders, but you have to win a lot of games before you can really be in that crowd. And I think this game was good for them to realize that again. I agree with you to an extent. What I'll say is this. I think you summed, I think you made a great point when you said this game came perfect, a perfect time. I think Fran deserves a lot of credit for dropping Oregon state, which is just a crap shoot right now. They're not good. They weren't supposed to be good. I believe they were picked last in their conference and scheduling the number one team in the country. I think Iowa can compete with anybody. I think with the way they were offensively as bad as they looked at times, Sean, they still put up 88 points and they made four three-pointers. I did not see that coming. I did not see Iowa shooting 54% from the free throw line. I think it's without doubt Iowa has the nation's best player in Luka Garza. I think he continues to prove that. While he isn't the strong elite rim protector, he does enough. But Iowa's defense in general should not be putting – all the pressure on Luca to stop everything at the rim. Iowa needs to be able to stop guys from getting to the rim and need to be stronger rotation wise. I think Iowa's three point shooting will rarely have nights like this, but when you're in the NCAA tournament, you can't afford any nights like this. What they need to do to overcome that is hustle, effort, heart, and defensive rebounding. They cannot allow teams to dominate the glass the way that Gonzaga did. I think more so Sean, that, this shows more positives than negatives for me about this Iowa team. But at the same time, there are some glaring weaknesses about this team. And again, I said this earlier, Iowa was able to figure that out right away post game. Joe Wieskamp, Luca Garza. I think having a senior riddled and very experienced team is going to play a huge part in the future of this team. As far as this season, can Iowa adjust? If Iowa comes out strong against Purdue and has a convincing win, 
I think I'm going to feel a lot better about this team as far as the way it's going to go the rest of the season. But I know people want to overreact. I saw some people, I got some texts from people outclassed. I was in over their heads, yada, yada, yada. No, I don't think that's any of the case. I think Gonzaga's earned their number one ranking. I think Iowa, again, is without a doubt a top seven team. Nobody's going to be able to stop Luka Garza, but there are weaknesses to this team. Iowa has to find a way to overcome its defensive shortcomings with hustle, effort, defensive rebounding, and limiting dumb passes and getting back in transition. If Iowa doesn't even improve their half-court defense, Sean, it's not the end of the world. It's a really bad thing. But Iowa has to be able to improve in the transition because teams are finding out that they're exploiting them. Even after made Iowa basket, teams are beating them down the floor for an easy layup or an easy three-point opportunity. So, again, I think, it's, I think it's ignorant and too fast to be able to say, oh, Iowa's not ready for the next step. I think at this point they're not ready. But what I'm saying is in three months from now, I think Iowa can there – there is potential for Iowa to be a Final Four and national title contending team. I think that there's enough positives there. I think the weaknesses have been exposed. Now it's about can this veteran-riddled team find a way – to overcome their glaring weaknesses. Yeah, and I think what people need to remember too, this is my last point, is that it's a marathon in college basketball. Um, it's not like football where, you know, it's like one game every week. Like you get two, three maybe, depending on, you know, with all the COVID scheduling, you get two, three games a week. And every game is obviously important, but this is going over a month span. Like we're still in December and – you know, this basketball season, it's, we still got two pretty, two or three mo- or three months left. And there's gonna be a lot of games fit into that span. And I think people need to remember that, you know, it's an, it's a game by game thing. Not one game is not going to be the decider in your season. You're going to have 20 games where you get a good or 20, I don't know how many games this season, 27, 27 in total plus tournament. But I mean, we'll see if Iowa even gets in 27 getting in their non-conference is a good start. Cause I think the big 10 will have to find a way to get 20 games in, especially if they're trying to decide a champion. Yeah. So you'll have, you know, 90% of your game or I don't know, 80% of your games will be games that we've like, you expect from a team. One will be a really, really bad game. One will be, you know, a really, a really good game. And one will just be like a perfect game. And I think this is one of those games where not necessarily bad, but, you know, I think Iowa got exposed a little bit. And I also think that conference play, they're going to be better. They're going to be better off because of it. And they played a couple tough teams in conference play. I know Iowa State um, is not the best college basketball team right now, but, you know, that was a huge win. North Carolina, I think, could compete in the ACC. And I mean, Gonzaga is in a league of their own right now in college basketball. So people just need to remember, you know, there's a lot of season left. There's a lot, a lot left to go. Um, and that this team is probably going to get better with all the, with, or will get better with all the veteran talent and just overall experience that they have and just the pieces they have. They're, they're going to figure it out. I agree with you 100%. Again, HawkeyeInsider.com. Be sure to check out all of our post game reaction stuff. Iowa finds out their bowl game tomorrow. We're going to be all over that. And obviously, we're going to be all over basketball season, men's and women's, especially once football slows down. I'm excited to actually be able to go cover more of the women's team just with all the excitement surrounding them. But again, my final point here before we sign off, Iowa, I think, is a legitimate contender. Now, if we're talking about winning it, I think they have a ways to go. 
But I think this team is proven that the pieces and foundation are in place, but are they going to be able to build off it and learn from today? That's the biggest thing. But again, David Eichel, Sean Bach, be sure to follow us on Twitter at sbach247, at David Eichel, at Hawkeyes on 247, and stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for all the latest on Iowa football, basketball, recruiting, and everything else dealing with Iowa athletics. We'll be back in a couple days when we talk about Iowa's upcoming bowl game, about who they're going to play, et cetera, et cetera. Again, keep it locked in, HawkeyeInsider.com. Thanks to all of you.